Welcome into the Clap Trap. Brought to you by Ultrasound Productions. Now also playing on 90.7 WKKL. All right, welcome into another episode of the Clap Trap. We have the Wednesday episode, and we got some good stuff to go over in this one as the Bruins had an insane comeback win last night that I want to talk all about and everything going on with that team. You have the Celtics doing their thing, but also the Emeo Doka situation has come up once again, and now we are finding out what is going to happen with him and his future in this league, most likely at least. So we're going to find out what uh, what else we can say about that. Which I, I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that one as well. And then we also had the Patriots beating the Jets in one of the most ugly quarterback games I've seen in a long time. So getting into it, we are going to start off with the Bruins uh, on, on this nice Wednesday episode day. And man... What a start for this team. What a start uh, to the season. What a start to Montgomery's coaching career with the Bruins. They start off 9-1 and one now after a crazy come-from-behind victory over the Penguins last night in overtime. After being down 5-2 to two in this game, giving up four straight goals in the third period, uh, in the second period, sorry, battling your way back, having goalie changes, which... We'll get into that as well, and I'm a little worried about that situation, but it was a crazy game that started off with, you know, nonsense. Crosby scoring right out the gate off of a tough, you know, bounce off of Lindholm's skate, and Lindholm was a complete roller coaster ride of a player in this one, up and down. Defensively, I'd probably give him like a C. Offensively, you'd give him an A. I mean, crazy game for him, but... This team now has their best start in franchise history at 9-1. and one. They were already at their best start in franchise history at 8-1. and one. Then you win this game as well. You have Linus Olmark. This game was crazy for him as well. You go into this one. You come out of the first period with a 2-1 lead after, like I said, Crosby scored that first goal about 30 seconds into the game. You're able to bounce back with a couple of good goals from the Bruins controlling the puck and being able to handle that in the first period. Then the second period completely flips on its head, and they're just scoring left and right. Four straight goals, two or three of them, I think, were within two minutes or something like that. Ridiculous. Bang, bang. Kept hitting you with it. They were obviously the more dominant team in the second period. You pull Linus Olmark, who is 6-0 on the season, and now in line for his first loss, he goes out, Swayman comes in, He's playing good. The team scores a goal. It's now five to three. It, you know, you had that other goal that got called back as well for goalie interference, which was, you know, I'm not going to get too much into that one, but you bring Swayman in, you end up getting kind of back into the game. The momentum's back on your side. And then that horrific injury happens to Swayman. And, you know, we haven't, at least from what I've seen, we haven't seen anything or heard anything yet. And you know, if you're a hockey fan in general, it's going to be hard to get anything out of this Bruins team, out of any hockey team, really, telling you what they're actually going to do with their players or who is injured, who is not, how severe is the injury. They're probably just going to call it a lower body injury. We won't know about it for at least like a couple of weeks to a month. But if you didn't see that injury with Jeremy Swayman, 
If you don't like injuries, I wouldn't recommend going back and watching this one. If you're one of those weird people who are into injuries, shout out to my wife who likes to watch that kind of stuff, then this is an interesting one for you to go and watch. Basically, Jeremy Swayman had done a complete split in the in the net to try and make a save. He was going from, I believe, his right to his left, sliding with a split open stance. And I think, it, I'm pretty sure it was Bergeron. I'm trying to remember exactly. I'm pretty sure it was Bergeron fighting for the puck, playing defense, slides into him by accident, gets off of his skates, sliding in, skate first, into Allmark's left leg, and that thing, it, it kind of bent back just the wrong way. And you feel real bad for Swayman. Instantly, he was down on the ice. Instantly, the team was calling for the trainer. Horrible moment there, and you hope the best for him. It looked really bad. It looked like, at very minimum, you're going to get you know, multiple weeks off for Jeremy Swayman going forward. This is Linus Allmark's team. It kind of already was anyways, but... You're not going to have him, Swayman, I would assume, for a while. Based off of the initial reaction of what it looked like, I unfortunately caught the replay of it. I don't. I usually try and make sure that I don't see the replay of these types of things. <coughs> Excuse me. But, man, this, uh, this was just a horrific-looking injury. Something that you can't plan for. Something that was just, uh, you know, a freak accident. Like I said, Patrice Bergeron, obviously not meaning to slide into his goaltender, but when Swayman was already in that position and then and then Bergeron comes sliding in and kicks him at that horrible point right near his groin to the left, on the left hip it looked like, and it just buckled everything backwards. It, it looked terrible. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to do with that situation, but it didn't look good. So then you have Linus Olmark has to get thrown back into the game after he had given up five goals, and you're thinking, okay, let's see what Linus could do. And obviously, he was sitting on the sidelines like, man, I really blew this one. If I, I bet he's thinking, if I could just get back in this game, I know I could do better. I know I could do better. Well, he did. He did because the rest of the way, they don't give up any goals. After he did that four-goal four second period, all of the third period that he played and overtime, he did great. Uh, Allmark did and he was able to get his seventh win. He's 7-0 and now on the season. It's crazy to just think about that, though. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to continue the thoughts about the Bruins last night on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. Talking all about Linus Olmark's performance in the game against the Penguins last night. Let's get back into it. You go into a game. You start off. Pretty strong. First period, overall, pretty strong. That that one against Crosby, I can't really put on him. Uh, you know, it bounced off of Lindholm skates directly to Crosby right in the slot, and he just gets an easy shot on net. Obviously, he's going to bury that. He's one of the greatest. He's probably the greatest player of this generation. I guess we could, we could argue that at some point. I would like to argue that because it's between him and Ovechkin, obviously. And, and I think there's an argument to be made for both of them. But one of the better players, you know, in a long time, in a long time, Sidney Crosby. So if you give him an easy shot in the slot with a with an open uh, lane to the net, you know, he's going to do pretty good. So that one I can't put on Allmark. You battle back. You get the 2-1 lead. 
And then the, the second period happens. And that one's got some on Olmark, some on the defense, some on just t- terrible play overall. Yeah, at Montgomery, they kept bringing it up on the ESPN broadcast how Montgomery had said this was their worst morning skate going into a game that they've had all season. So, I mean, you don't feel good about that going in. Uh, that was the most negative thing I've ever heard Montgomery say about this team, by the way. But bad morning skate leads to bad starts. And this team, you know, they showed it in that second period. It was not, they were not ready for this Penguins team, who I had talked about before as one of the other teams in the league who's able to score at least. They may not be able to defend as well, but they can score. And so they did so against this team. Like I said, rattling off four straight goals in that second period to go up five to two. Now you're up five two. You pull Linus Olmark. Once again, crazy situation for him. Decent first period, horrible second period. You get pulled. Swayman goes in. He's doing okay. Team gets a goal. Could have been two if it wasn't for goalie interference. They were getting the momentum back. Then the horrific injury happens. Linus was lined up for his first loss of the season, goes out there, keeps battling, teams keeps battling. Taylor Hall with a crazy knockdown, spin around, shot goal for the tie under a minute left in the game. You go into overtime. There's even a penalty on Lindholm for that that stick to the skate, which was, you know, they were arguing about it on the broadcast, but it looked pretty clear that he put his skate or his stick right in his skate. So you get the four on three. They're battling, they're battling, there's posts, there's, you know, they had multiple chances, the Penguins did, Allmark is hanging on for dear life, and then you go and you get the the Lindholm goal for a win, and Linus Allmark gets his seventh win, he goes 7-0 and to start off the season, insane, that's an insane story, an insane start to this season for the Bruins, and you gotta feel pretty good about them as a Bruins fan right now, I mean, they're the best, they have the best record in the league. Uh, there's only two teams with nine wins. Just so happens that the other team is the Vegas Golden Knights. Go figure that you got them at nine and two. You got the Bruins at nine and one. Both teams still, um, I, I mean, extremely early to call this, but on a collision course to play each other in in the Stanley Cup. If things were to continue this way, they obviously won't. Things will happen, and the Bruins still have a lot to do. But man, what a crazy game to have! And, and to come back in that fashion with Marshan contributing, with Lindholm, like I said, having such an up-and-down roller coaster game. I think there was nine total goal scorers in this game, different goal scorers in this game uh, between the two teams. Everybody had their moments. It was pretty crazy. So, I, I don't know. I, it was <laughs> – I can't talk enough about it. But I got to say at this point now, maybe – it's time for me to come back a little bit against the, you know, the the removal of Bruce Cassidy and the the bring in of Montgomery. Uh, maybe you know I shouldn't be as against it. Maybe Montgomery is going to be good for this team. He's obviously saying the things that are making the certain players on the team play a lot better. You're seeing a lot of improvement from a Jake DeBrus type of player who likes the positive motivation, as opposed to the Bruce Cassidy, uh, you know tear you down to build you up kind of mentality so yeah I I guess it was right it was a right move so far it seems like I was completely wrong on that situation and and this team needed a new coach to give them a new style on offense the defense still pretty similar 
you're still going to need to go out and get somebody to add to this team a bigger defensive defenseman, in my opinion, to help out overall. But the offense is moving a lot better. The The first couple of lines are working really well. It seems like they're spacing the ice really well. So I'm happy about all of that. And maybe I'm a little bit wrong about the Montgomery situation. We'll find out. Still a lot of hockey to play, a lot of games to play in this season. But a hell of a start. I mean, the best start in franchise history, 9-1. and one. You have this crazy comeback game against the Penguins, which, yeah, they're just a 500 team right now. But like I said, crazy offensive weapons on that squad between Crosby, between Mulkin. This team knows how to score. They might not know how to defend that well. Though I think that Jari was all over the place in this one and did his job. Their defense isn't that great. So, you know, take it for what it is. But, man, heck of a start. Heck of a start to this one here, uh, this season overall for the Bruins. Happy to see it. We're going to take another break and then wrap up the thoughts about the Bruins against the Penguins after this on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. We're finishing up the thoughts about the Bruins-Penguins game. Before we move on to other topics, let's get back to it. The only other thing that I had to talk about in this game, really, was how it was a little chippy. It was a little aggressive. There were some plays that involved Jari, the goaltender for the Penguins, uh, that that would be a little bit questionable. Uh, it was kind of a scummy game overall. I mean, that Pasternak hit onto Jari that he ended up getting a penalty for where he gets kind of shoved in the back, but instead of kind of holding his hands up, he goes full cross-check into Jari on his way down. Can't do that. Can't do that, Pasternak. Obviously, if he was the other team, we would all be losing our minds about how you know inappropriate of a move that was. So you got to kind of take that and, and be objective with that one and say that, man, can't be doing that, Pasternak. Can't have you losing your head in that moment and trying to take their goalie out with a cross check to the face. Can't have that. You know, Jari was getting banged up at other moments in the game, made things get a little chippy. There were some interesting hits throughout where guys were clearly going after people uh, in it. So it was a it was a rough tumble game, but this Bruins team knows how to fight and they know how to come back and they're just going to keep working and trying to score more goals, which they've been able to do in bunches this year. I think their average is at 4.5 goals a game right now, something ridiculous like that to start off. So they're scoring well. Now we have to find out what the situation with Jeremy Swayman is. I'm expecting it to be a bad injury, honestly. It looked like a break of some kind in the leg, which looks horrible. If not that, it's at very minimum a terrible groin strain or, or uh, you know, what, whatever is going to be. I'm obviously not anywhere in the medical field, so I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about when it comes to that stuff, but... It looked terrible. It looked terrible. And you hope the best for Jeremy Swayman because he obviously is a big part of this team too. Omar is, is doing great so far, even giving up the five goals in that game, still doing great. But you're going to need Jeremy Swayman to be able to spell him. And now we got to go down to the farm system and bring up another goaltender for the foreseeable future, I think just because of how horrific that looked. Once again, if you're the type of person that likes injuries, watching those things, you sick freak, go and watch this one because it was a terrible injury and you'll probably be right up your alley. If you're like me and you don't want to see anything, just go off of my explanation. It was horrible. You don't want to watch this one. You don't. Some of the angles, oh, the original angle, 
I was like, okay, I can handle this. There was a back angle. It looked horrible. I, I don't, I don't wish that on anybody who doesn't like the injury stuff. It, it's just a fact. It was terrible. It was terrible. But that's all for the Bruins right now. They've got more games coming up. I, actually, I don't know uh, what what's their schedule looking like coming up here. As I look real quickly in front of me, their next game is tomorrow against the Rangers. Uh, then they got the Maple Leafs, the Blues, the Flames. So we've got an interesting schedule coming up here with some past playoff teams, some teams who are meh, a little bit, you know, we got the Sabres in there coming up. So hopefully this Bruins team can keep rolling. Stack as many wins as you can. We still got to get Charlie McAvoy back in this lineup, you know, it, and and the team can keep rolling. The team can keep rolling. We'll see how it goes uh, with that. But that's all I'm going to talk about with the Bruins. Next big topic. That I wanted to get into, this Celtics situation is starting to get a little weird. This this Ime Odoka situation, a situation that I didn't want to have to talk about anymore. I thought he was going to be gone. I, I thought that we were going to just let him ride off into the sunset and go coach for another team. Somebody else can deal with it. And I didn't think it was going to be in our backyard, right? I didn't think that it was going to be somebody like the Brooklyn Nets who were going to pick him up and bring him in as their head coach, but it looks like now after the Brooklyn Nets have fired Steve Nash from their organization, after their horrible start that they've had, the Nets have in this season, it looks like they are going to be trying to go after a an Ime Odoka as the new head coach for their team. Now, we're talking about a Nets team that is now after losing last night at two and six to start off the year. Two and six. Right. And they're dealing with the Kyrie Irving stuff and him spouting off about all this crap that he shouldn't be talking about or whatever it is. And I'm not going to get into that side of things, but I will get into the possible scummy nature of not only Ime Odoka, but also the Brooklyn Nets. Because if this Brooklyn Nets team is willing to go out there and bring in Ime Odoka, it means a couple of things to me. Either they have vetted Ime Odoka, they see the situation, and they don't care. Or they tried to vet Ime Odoka, they still don't know what is going on, and they don't care. There, In my mind, there is no way that this Celtics organization would completely suspend this guy with no real intention of bringing him back as the head coach for the entire season, unless there's something real there. That's uh, that's what I'm sticking with in this situation here. I believe that there has to be, you know, fire where there's smoke with this whole Ime Odoka situation. You can't tell me that he went out there and did anything consensual, that it was on the up and up, that it wasn't really that bad, whatever he did with whoever he did it with. All right, time for another break before we keep the Ime Odoka conversation going here on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clap. We're still talking about Ime Odoka and the Celtics. Let's get back into it. You can't tell me that it wasn't that bad. And then they went out and suspended him for the entire season. And with Let's be honest, the only reason they did that was so that they could eventually do their own investigation, figure out a real way and a, a you know substantial uh, amount of evidence that can 
give them a reason to fire this guy. That is the only reason the, the Celtics were never going to bring Ime Odoka back as a coach. They're just never going to do it. And now you're willing to let him go to the Nets and, and do it for free, it seems. They're not even – we have the contract control over Ime Odoka still. He's suspended, but he's still on the payroll. He's still in the organization, right? So we can go out there and do something like what they did with Doc Rivers, trade him for draft picks, right? Go out there, get compensation for this coach that everybody supposedly loves and everybody thinks highly of and thinks is going to be a great coach in this league. You guys know how I feel about the coaches and everything in the NBA, but if you think that he is worth something, then you have to go out there and get something for him, regardless of what he did. Regardless of how bad it is, legally, whatever the situation is, you have to go and get something for him. So if they're willing to just say, oh, man, you, you know what, go ahead, take email Doka. Go, go ahead. You guys deal with that whole situation. We don't care. We don't even want anything back for him. If that's the case, there has to be something really wrong here with this whole scenario. There has to be. I, 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 I can't believe that it is something so minuscule that a team is willing to bring on Ime Odoka right now at this point in the season, no matter how bad your team is and you just fired your head coach, you're going to bring in Ime Odoka right now with, with not knowing really anything that's going on. Now, if they vetted Ime and they found out what it was and it's not really that bad, now we got to start to blame the Celtics and see what the heck happened with that situation. Why the Celtics would be so eager to get rid of him, not only by suspending him, but also just saying, hey, yeah, go ahead, take him. Take him. We don't need anything. We don't need any compensation. Go ahead. Be on the Brooklyn Nets, right in our division, right in our backyard, and, and coach that team up. A team that has still has superstars, by the way, still has Kevin Durant, who can be a top five player, whenever he steps onto the floor, still has Kyrie Irving, no matter how annoying he is, no matter how much we all hate him, Kyrie Irving can still turn it on and be a top-tier point guard in this league. And then you got Ben Simmons, who is like a top-tier defensive player only. Other than that, I don't really see Ben Simmons doing that much uh, for this, this team overall. So you've got that kind of talent on this team, and I just wanted to look up really quickly here what have we been getting out of Ben Simmons on this season? It looks like he is averaging six points a game, six rebounds a game, and seven assists per game. So six, six, and seven for Ben Simmons. Like I said, he's just more of a, a defensive player, rebounder, facilitator type. He's not going to score. But you still have Kyrie Irving. You still have Kevin Durant. This team can be good. And now they're just getting Ime Odoka, who everybody seems to think is such a great coach, even though he might be a little bit of a scumbag, great coach on the floor, and the Celtics are willing to get rid of him for nothing. They're willing to just give him up. I, I don't know. Something's fishy here. What, somebody's scummy in this scenario, and I'm just assuming that it's not only Ime, but it's also the Nets. The Nets organization probably know what he did, probably have vetted the situation, and they're just like, you know what? We don't care. We'll take the heat. We're not going to suspend this guy. He did it with the Celtics. Uh, we'll just bring him in. He'll be our head coach. We'll hope he doesn't do anything else really bad. We don't think that there'll be any real major punishment from the league if anything does come out. 
So bring him on. Bring him on. Let's just have scummy Madoka, who may have utilized his position in an organization to take advantage of a woman lesser in, in a lesser status uh, within that organization than him. Who cares? We don't care. We're the Brooklyn Nets. We just want to win basketball games. That sounds starting starting to sound like what this is going to be, because there's just no way in my mind. Maybe I'm giving the Celtics too much benefit of the doubt. But I think that they're smart enough to understand what is going to really affect their team, what is really going to affect a suspension, a violation, something that would be looked down upon with the league, whatever it is. I think that they are smart enough to figure out whatever Emeo Doka did, that's not good. That's not a good thing to have on your team. That's not a good look for your organization. And it's so bad that you just need to cut bait with this guy and you don't even need compensation. You just want to get rid of him. Let somebody else deal with him. They got to be in that scenario. There's no way in my mind, and once again, maybe I'm giving too much benefit of the doubt to this Celtics organization, but there's no way in my mind that they looked at the email Doka stuff, said, we're suspending you for a year. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. And then they're still just going to let him walk for no compensation. We are still talking about a coach that led a team from being under 500 in January of last season to the finals in the NBA last year and were two games away from winning the whole damn thing. So, I mean, if you look at it from that standpoint and the way that, you know, some people covet him as a great head coach, some organizations probably feel the same way you got to get something back for him. On that note, we're going to take another quick break here. But when we come back, we'll continue the thoughts about Ime Odoka before moving on to other topics here on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. We're getting our final thoughts in on Ime Odoka before moving on to other topics. Here we go. So... It's going to be finalized. It's they're saying within the next you know day or so here we're going to find out more. And if later on today we find out that the Celtics were able to get draft compensation or something for him, you know money compensate whatever it is, then okay everything changes. Now now the opinions start to change. But if the Celtics are willing to just get rid of him, not take anything back, yeah sure take take the suspended coach that we have not we want nothing to do with, get him out of our organization. I just have to believe that that once again indicts Ime Odoka into a really bad, whatever he did was really bad. It had to have been. He had to have taken advantage of some situation. He had to have maybe threatened somebody or done something really bad that warrants this. It it just has to be. It has to be. I I choose to believe that whether you feel the same way or not, you know, that's up to you. It just, as of right now, with the information that's been displayed and the way that this Nets organization is willing to do it, I just feel like Ime Odoka is scummy. The Nets organization is scummy. The the, the Celtics made the right call and and we're moving on with Missoula and we're going to be fine with him. I feel like that's going to be the case. Well, we'll see how things go. They got another, uh, you know, decent sized game. I would say tonight going against the Cavaliers who just beat them in their previous matchup a couple of days ago in a game where I felt like they were going to be able to Celtics were able to going to be able to win that one, but they, you know, couldn't hold on to it late against a Cavaliers team that looks like they could be, you know, at least a speed bump in the road. For the Celtics come playoff time, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how Missoula goes, and we'll find out 
if the Celtics get any compensation for Ime Adoka or if they just let him go. Because if they just let him go, to me, that proves that something really bad happened and they are completely fine with him just getting out of the organization. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. All right, one last thing that I wanted to talk about was obviously the Patriots game and everything that happened against the Jets on Sunday. You had a good performance from the defense, I would say, overall in this one. You had, uh, you know, Mac Jones having a bad first half and then an okay second half. I mean, they, they were kind of trying to mitigate any problems. They were taking the ball out of his hand a lot when you were getting down closer and closer to the end zone. You just wanted to take points. And that makes sense when you're playing against Zach Wilson and the Jets. You take the points when you can get them. Though they did go for some interesting fourth down calls, the Patriots did, which, you know, here or there, I I don't know if that was a good call or not. Um, You know, you'll get all these, like, the analytical nerds saying that it was a bad call. But if you're going with gut decisions... It's not always going to work out for you. And if there's a time to kind of, I guess, try and go for some stuff, maybe it's against the Jets, a team that you don't feel like they they can really mount that big of a comeback. You got Zach Wilson just throwing some of the dumbest picks I've ever seen in my entire life. Instead of throwing it out of bounds, you're just throwing it up to, you know, McCourty uh, down the sidelines for no reason whatsoever. You're just giving us the ball. Which, by the way, that's great. I love that. Keep giving us the ball. Keep giving us a win. And this was, what, the 13th or 14th straight game that we've won against the Jets? The Jets can't touch us. They can't. They can't touch the Patriots. That's just a fact. And now you're going to face them in a couple of weeks in Gillette Stadium. I got to feel good about that one once again. I know that this team, this Patriots team, over these last couple of years, it's not that kind of team where you can expect to win against anybody. I don't know. The Jets might still be in that category, even with the way that the Patriots are set up right now. They might still be in that position where you feel confident that the Patriots could still beat them every time that they go and face them. I don't know. It's just they cannot do anything to stop a Patriots team from going in there and dismantling whichever quarterback it is that's under center for the Jets. Zach Wilson, just another guy, another example of a young quarterback trying to go up against a Belichick defense and realizing, I, I don't know, that you 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 can't just go out there and try and be a superhero in these games. You have to go out there and take what's given to you. You have to take your medicine. Sometimes you got to throw the ball away. But Zach Wilson, it seems like he's just convinced in his head that if he keeps extending plays and extending them further and further, something will work out for him. Well, I don't know, man. At this point, and the Jets, I guess you got to keep sticking with, with Zach Wilson, but he does not look good. His decision-making looks worse than even Mac Jones. And Mac Jones has had terrible decision-making this entire season. We all know that. Also, all, all Patriots fans know and have seen that he has made some terrible decisions, and you had more bad ones in this one. You had a pick six that was called back off of a roughing the passer that was still a little iffy, too, where Mac Jones was just throwing it to – who knows? Obviously a miscommunication. And I think that a lot of that has been going on this season. A lot of miscommunication between Mac and the receivers. A lot of Mac Jones stepping up to the line, trying to audible change plays. 
you go here or there and the receivers are just not responding to him. They're saying, well, I don't know what the play is. And they're going out there and he's assuming they're running the slant when they're running the in or whatever it's going to be. And then it looks really bad when Mac Jones still throws that ball, expecting his receiver to be there. And it's just an easy interception for the other team. Those look terrible, but I still feel like it's all about him continuing to grow with the receivers to get that rapport with these guys. And, you know, it was Jacoby Myers out there who is his safety blanket. So he got, has good rapport with him, but Devontae Parker goes down immediately. He was a new receiver. He didn't know about that means Tyquan Thornton's going to be out there a little bit more. And, and, you know, you're not used to having him out there. The speedy little guy, Slim, I think, is one of the nicknames that he has for him. I'm not sure about that. All right, we're going to take our last break there before we wrap up all the talk about the Patriots in this one. Keep it right here on 90.7 WKKL for more of the Claptrap after this. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. Talking about the thoughts from the Patriots-Jets game and moving forward with the season to finish this one up, let's do it. But this team, once again, showed that they're probably not ready to stick with any good offenses, but they can handle the bad offenses. They can score enough points. They can score into the 20s with that run game with Ramondre Stevenson, who is our best offensive weapon, let's be honest, of, of anything. Best offensive player on this team right now, probably. I mean, I don't, I don't even know if probably needs to be said. Best offensive player on this team, Ramondre Stevenson. That's just, he is. He's the, the thing that makes this whole team go right now. It's not the quarterback. It's not the wide receivers. It's not even the, I mean, I guess you could say it's a little bit of the offensive line at times, but Ramondre still is just beasting, breaking tackles, doing what he needs to do, catching the ball out of the backfield, something that we love to see in our running backs because we're kings of the dump down here in the New England Patriots organization. I've been happy with his production, but overall, the offense needs to figure things out. They just need to figure things out. And now you're going to go up against an Indianapolis Colts team at home that has a decent defense and an offense that is now led by a rookie quarterback in Ellinger that you would expect this Patriots team to be able to hang with once again. Another poor offense that this team can hang with once again. But later on in the season... Things are going to get bad. They just are. There's no way you can tell me that if they stick the same way that they've been playing, that things aren't going to go bad once we start playing these other teams. I mean, we've all looked at the schedule. I've gone over it many times. After this, you know, you just win against the Jets. Now you get a home game against the Colts. You get your bye week and then a home game against the Jets. After that, it is probably the toughest schedule in the NFL. It's got to be, right? Because you're at Vikings on Thanksgiving. They have proven that they have been a really good team this year. Then you're at home against the Bills, road against the Cardinals, road against the Raiders, home against the Bengals, home against the Dolphins, road against the Bills. Tell me which one of those games you feel even halfway decent as a Patriots fan against them, and I think you're crazy. I mean, maybe you can give me the Raiders who just are coming off of one of their worst offensive performances, the first time they've ever been shut out in in so many years. I don't remember the stat that I heard about that, but it's been a long time since the Raiders have been shut out. They just got shut out in the other game. So maybe if you want to tell me that, you know, Bill against McDaniels 
is going to be something for you. Who knows? The Cardinals got back DeAndre Hopkins. They were looking bad before, but now they look great. So the Cardinals is another, you know, tough match up there. The Bengals seem to be starting to kind of figure their stuff out uh, as they're going. I, I don't see a matchup where it's not going to be the other team favorited pretty heavily against this one. The Vikings, the Bills, the Cardinals, the Bengals, the Dolphins, all these teams should be favorited against the, the Patriots, whether it's home or away. So we're, we're in for a tough ride after this. You need to eat against this Colts team and then again against the Jets. So you can hopefully get to six and four, and then we'll see what happens from there. We'll see what happens. Can this team, you know, get another three wins to get to even nine wins on the season? I don't know. It's going to be extremely tough. It's going to be extremely tough for them to be able to do. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. We'll we'll see. But, I mean, that Jets win, even with it being a win, it wasn't inspiring. It wasn't like we absolutely blew the doors off them and beat them 40 to 17. No, you, you beat them basically 22 to 10, and then they got that, you know, garbage time touchdown at the end to make it 22 to 17. So, I, I mean, you did great defensively, I would say, against a horrible Zach Wilson-led Jets offense that that is just now going to fumble right again, fold right again, I would assume, even after starting off, what, 5-2 and two on the season and then losing to the Patriots right there to get to 5-3. and three, The Jets team, after that demoralizing loss, they now have to play the Bills uh, at first before they go on a bye week as well, and then they play the Patriots again. So I could easily see them, I mean, we all are going to pick the Bills against the Jets. That's going to be an obvious one there. Then they got their bye week and they play the Patriots again. And I think, I think at this point, people are all going to pick the Patriots again. Once again, nobody should be a, a definite, this team is going to lose to the Patriots kind of squad right now. There's nobody in the league that you really feel that way. This Patriots team can go out there and lay an egg somehow, uh, even off of a bye week, I think, at this point. But you feel pretty good about that. And you could see this 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 whole division kind of flipping. Patriots somehow making it to six and four. This Jets team then losing back to back games and being at five and five and on their way down. I, I mean, I could definitely see that happening, especially off of uh, off of this tough loss where Zach Wilson once again threw a million bad picks, a million bad decisions, and and you know basically gave us this win. It was, a, it was a game of bad quarterbacking on both sides in the first half. Mac Jones calmed it down in the second half. The defense did what they were supposed to do against a team that was willing to give them the ball back multiple times. What else can you say about this game? What else can you say about it? We got the Colts coming up this weekend, though. I'm going to want to talk more about that on Friday and everything. We'll try and break down a little bit more of what we're going to see against them. They have been faltering in a lot of ways. Obviously, they benched Matt Ryan for the season. Like I said before, they brought in Sam Ellinger as their quarterback. I don't know what you're going to really get from that kid. We'll have to look more into him. Jonathan Taylor hasn't been playing good. The running back, who was an absolute stud last year, hasn't been playing good for them. So they're in a little bit of a, a weird spot, and, and we'll see what they can give us. But I feel okay about the Patriots at home against a rookie quarterback with the defense going the way it is. We'll, we'll see, though. We'll see. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Just want to say thank you to everyone tuning in. I really appreciate it. 
I will be back, as I said, on Friday to talk more about everything going on with the Bruins, the Celtics, the Patriots, and any other topics that I feel like I want to talk about at that point. Uh, but you guys have a great rest of your week. I will see you on Friday. All right. Later. Keep it right here on 90.7 WKKO for more of the Capes Classic Alternative. <laughs>